welcome to Slayerfest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me as my lovely co-host, I have he and I do My Bloody Judy together. Zachary Patton Garcia. Hi, Zach. Hey, I'm excited to do this again. <laughs> We're just recording all the time. All the time. Jeez. Like we, every other day, man, every other day. But uh, we also have with us today, part-time porn star, full-time Buffy fan. Hi, it's Ivy LaBelle. Hi, Ivy. <laughs> Hi, I'm so stoked to be here. <laughs> and we also have TV writer and internet menace. Neil McNeil. Thanks for having me, y'all. Hi, I'm so happy to have both of you. I wanted, I think I told all of you that I was pretty sure that the three of you would vibe well together. Like I was like, ooh, I think these three, like I try to place guests together that I think will work well together. And I was glad this worked out that I got all three of you. This. Watch, you're gonna be wrong. It's gonna I know, be, I'll be totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what we're doing is we're gonna be talking about Buffy season seven's uh, "Get It Done." I always want to say "Get Out" because that's what Dawn says. Get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly, is like for me, that's like the start of like a string of like good episodes, and I think it's like oh yeah, an underrated good episode. And uh, yeah, so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be having. A new Buffy episode weekly until the end of the season. So I took a lot of breaks this year. Uh, we're actually going to get it done. Um, but before <laughs> we get into the episode, um, Ivy, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah, mine's kind of funny. I didn't watch it when it was airing on TV. Mm-hmm. I had really Christian parents and they oh, were no. not down for the buff. Um <laughs> So I got my wisdom teeth taken out when I was 21 and decided to just start watching Buffy and it was all over from there. I became fully enthralled, fully obsessed. I had no idea how emotionally connected I would feel to this show. And uh, I am now 34 and I continue to watch this show on uh, a very regular basis. It's my comfort (laughs) show. (laughs) I love that. Um, it's funny, it's funny because like, you know, we are old enough that we were like, it was on when we would have watched it, but same, like I didn't start watching, I think I started in season three, then fell out and not till five did I actually like start watching it. And then like, you know, backwards got like the DVDs and stuff. Oh yeah. I still have my DVDs. I'm never going to get rid of them. (laughs) Oh my God. So Zach is someone who still buys DVDs. I really don't, but (laughs) my Buffy DVDs are the only, those and Angel are like the only things I will, the DVDs I will never part with. (laughs) Well, I don't blame you. you. Yeah. When you think about it, um, you can buy a movie on Amazon prime, but you don't really own it and they can take it off at any time and then you don't have it anymore. Right. And so I don't know, I've started recollecting all my stuff, but I have, all of the Buffy seasons that used to come out, you know, they used to come out in really cool packaging, right? Like, yeah. like yep. you know, golden days of home releases. Yeah. <laughs> I used to fall asleep to it all the time. So, like, the song <laughs> just playing on loop in my subconscious for much of my 20s probably did something to me. <laughs> <laughs> like waking up to the DVD menu. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's funny, I always can place, right? Like, if you're watching an episode and you're like, oh, that was the DVD menu music, like, you, like, can recognize. Um, yeah. Neil, what was your Buffy origin? I don't, we've been friends for I, a long time, but I've never heard this. Oh, you've never heard this? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I thought this would have been one of the first things we talked about, because my <laughs> Buffy origin is actually the exact opposite of yours, Ivy. My, I have two older sisters, and they would rent Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, from Blockbuster 
all the time and I would watch it with them. And I became obsessed with the character. And then my mom at seven years old came to me and said, oh, you know, they're making this into a TV show. We should watch it together. Um, So I would watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer at seven years old with my mother um, and she fell off and then I became obsessed and she would buy me the DVDs for Christmas every year. Her and my dad were so like, they were like, we have a weird kid who's obsessed with this like weird WB show that's definitely 10 years too old for him. Um, Just like straight out of the gate. They're like, there's no hope for this kid. He is idolizing Sarah Michelle Gellar. And it's actually kind of funny because Buffy is also like my TV writing um, origin story because I would go through the DVD packaging and would like memorize who wrote what episode and be like, ooh, this one's my favorite episode because Jane Espenson wrote it. I love all of her episodes. She is my favorite person in the whole wide world. Um, And then it became like so surreal when I moved to LA and like met her and I was like, oh my God, you're a hero to me. (laughs) That's such a cool origin. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, also, you know, I also got to take a Buffy class in college, which was like peak me. <laughs> oh my god! So jealous. I remember hearing about that Buffy class, and I was so jealous that like no college that, that was near me or that I went to uh, mm-hmm. gave it. But I did buy the like textbook for it just because oh, I was like that nerd. <laughs> I was going through um, my childhood bedroom, which was you know all throughout my teenage years, um, and I still have all those Buffy textbooks. Like one, like at the end of the year when you would sell your textbooks back to the school for like five dollars each right. i refused to part with my buffy books i was like these are mine like i own these now i am a buffy scholar <laughs> i'm I mean, very impressed <laughs> i i feel like you kind of are neil you have an angel tattoo don't you i have the wings from the angel dvd box set on my yes. back that was my first tattoo that's dedication wow. right there that is dedication <laughs> i have a question for you neil and ivy um what would you say your, your favorite season is? Or or what what would you say what season kind of fits you right now? Oh, mm. oh those are two. If you can't come up with a favorite, I guess. I mean, I do have a favorite, but Ivy, do you want to go? No, you go first. I need to think for a second. <laughs> okay, my, well, my favorite, I will always say hands down, like season five. Okay. That to me is like when the show hits its emotional stride, when they kind of like shake out all like the okay, this is what it was, but now we're transitioning into this sort of show. Um, and it feels like the most growth for the characters too. Um, but the season that fits me right now, I would definitely have to say season three. Mm. Like I'm in just like full faith chaos mode. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, love it. I'm a big faith fan. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, okay, I think my favorite all time is three. Uh, it's just so... I aesthetically perfect for me. It was like my bisexual awakening with Faith. Um, just obsessed with her. And uh, yeah, I, it's just, it's kind of a perfect season, but I do agree. Like five is technically like the best. Just overall it is the best, but my personal favorite is three. And right now I'm a season six. <laughs> it's a little dark. Fair. <laughs> You know, song sometimes. sometimes. You know, a little bleak, but do burst into song occasionally, and you know, you know, fucking spike. So that's always great. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I always say I think three and five just like are the best seasons. Yeah, um, they're just I. They're they're the seasons that like there's barely any skips. It's like, you know, when people are like, what's an album with no skips? Well, those are like seasons with no skips for me. 
Totally. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, there's, of course, there's like four and six have my favorite episodes, Hush and the musical, but mm-hmm. like three and five are my favorites. Um, yeah, Zach, you answer your question then. I'm curious what you- uh, Oh gosh, I feel like I've answered this 50 million times on this. Uh, Seven has a real like- great place in my heart. I, I love seven a lot. Um, it's, you know, a lot of people don't really vibe with it, but I think just the n- nostalgia tie for me, it's, uh, it, it, I don't know. Favorites are weird though. It's like, just catch me on, you know, whatever yeah. given day and it might change, but seven today. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, we're, were, with- you, were you watching seven in real time while it was airing or mass? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I was watching it in real time while it was airing. I remember the finale having a bunch of like guys come over, like a couple of buddies ahead, um, come over and sleep over, and none of them watched Buffy. So they made fun of it throughout the entire finale, and it just sent me into a tailspin. I was so mad. Went into my sister's room and locked the door and watched the rest of it by myself. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! But no, it's just good. You know, I like the fashion in it. I like how powerful Buffy seems. You know, I like all the speeches. We get a speech. In this one the mm-hmm. uh the chloe's an idiot speech so oh yeah excited to get into it <laughs> yeah okay so yeah why don't we um kick off the episode i actually had forgotten like in my brain she spends a lot more time in that desert with the shadow guys mm-hmm. than she actually does like i was like oh there's like 25 minutes left and now she's going i like this creepy like the lullaby music they're playing while she's like walking through the dark house i almost like i forgot that we got this scene and i wish there was like a little bit more of this shit. Like I love mm. Buffy dream prophetic dream stuff in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always love a, a little dream sequence. Um, it's a little weird. I, I like seeing everybody in the summer's house, right? Like camped out on the floor. One, there's no air mattresses, I guess, you know, everybody's sleeping on hardwood floors and two, uh, it's funny that they could fit all of these girls in here, but could not fit faith in there in season three, you know, <laughs> let her shack up in a hotel. <laughs> This episode feels like very like you, like I forgot. It's been a while since I've watched season seven. They're in a war right now, and this yeah. is wartime in yeah. the Summers household. And like it just feels so like raw and real. And it's like, oh yeah, of course. Like this is something they've never done before. Like you said, like when Faith was in town, it was always like the prim and proper, like Buffy trying to like live her normal life. And she was like, no, like we're not going to have this interloper come into our house. And now it's like. We need all hands on deck. Yes. There's 75 interlopers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, – so the, the first layer comes in at this point, right? Yeah. Um, anytime the first layer ever makes an entrance, it's, she doesn't just tap Buffy on the shoulder and say, hey, I have some information for you. She like body slams her, right? Every single time. <laughs> yeah. She's never just like, oh, excuse me, here's some uh, news for you. <laughs> She's like, let's fight and say, hey, Buffy, you gotta earn this info. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that Chloe is like crying in the corner as like foreshadowing. I mean, it's not really foreshadowing, but it's like, Ooh, look, this character, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I always liked when Buffy did that shit where they would mix, you know, in the earlier seasons, she had a lot more dreams of like, I feel like with when Angel was around, she was always dreaming about him. Mm-hmm. But I like this. It's one of those instances that like you want to shake Buffy and be like, this dream is trying to tell you something. So like maybe you should check on this girl, but she is so laser focused on the war that's in front of her that she doesn't even think to check in with her troops. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ivy, what do you think of this opening? Yeah. I mean, I'm always a fan of the Buffy dream sequences as well. Um, and I do love the first layer when we referenced her and I love, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but I do love how we kind of get an idea of why, uh, 
the first layer is as harsh as she is yeah. <laughs> um because yeah. she is so intense yeah yeah yes that's a thing i love about this episode i love like us filling in the mythology you totally and, and like i can it, it doesn't bother me at all like but something like the scythe i'm bummed that that only comes in what like gosh two what episodes. a waste man yeah. like and so and, and you know they didn't predict how how much longevity this scythe was going to have right it's in all of the images people do fan art and there's always a scythe and if they had known that they probably would have brought it in what episode one or two yeah yeah like mm-hmm. I, I really wish she had it maybe even half the season yeah but like i don't i don't love that it's like it doesn't it doesn't bother me as like a plot device but i wish it could have been earlier and like you know something like this i'm glad this is coming in we're not like getting this like backstory real quick at the end you know, kind of like how we get that woman who's the guardian, but then she dies two seconds later and it doesn't even matter. Uh, like that shit I don't like, but this I love. Um, but so we cut post, we cut to the credits after the first layer tells her it's not enough. I also forgot that's the only time, that's the last time we see the first layer is this like two second scene with three words. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to the credits and post credits, we get this uh, nice scene of Anya and Spike walking together. I... I, Anya, they really didn't know what to do with her after Selfless, but she's so good in every scene, right? Yes. Poor Anya, poor Anya, they have her, like, pining for Spike, which just doesn't feel natural for me at all. It's such a, it's like, oh, the world's really about to end. Anya is trying to, like, helplessly flirt with Spike. I don't buy right. it. <laughs> I mean, but also, I, I would also be horny around Spike like that. No, oh, well, on. 24-7 from season, you know, when it, you see up here, season two? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, season two on for me. And also for Anya, she's, like, facing her mortality in all this. Like, she's not a demon anymore. There's no guarantee that she could make it out. She, like, is grappling with the fact that, like, yeah, I'm probably going to die soon, so might as well climb this tree. <laughs> That's so, like, good for you for shooting your shot, Anya. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also sort of isolated, you know? She is, only, like, they even say it later, she's only there because she's scared or because, you know... She's lonely. She doesn't like. What would Anya do if she went off on her own? You know, she doesn't have any family. She doesn't have Halfrick anymore. It's it's really just her. Um, yeah. And you know, she's probably clinging on to anybody that's that will talk to her at the moment. You know, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And like the only one she was close with is like her ex husband who or ex fiance who left her at the fucking altar. Like, yeah. it's not exactly like the best kind of person you want to be like paired off with the guy that like n- everybody took his side. Right. And so, you <laughs> yeah. know, what, what does uh. she even do here? He's the only one who can, uh, who knows what she's going through though, because he's the only real mortal mm. amongst that's, them. Besides Don, but that's nobody true, wants yeah. to talk to Don. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. <laughs> um, but I do, I do kind of like these, we don't get a lot of these like solo moments between characters in season seven. So I do like when we get them. Um, I also felt, I also kept thinking, like, I don't know. I feel like if I, like, Anya's hot too, Spike. Like, why not? Just like, yeah, like, yeah you know what? Let's do this. It's the end of the world. Like, me and Buffy aren't, I don't know what we're doing. We got weird Z's going on. Let's, me and Anya, fuck. Like, they're both hot. Why not? <laughs> but they, they, they went down that road already. And it's That's true. not so great. <laughs> That's true. Um, I do, I do have to point out the thing that, like, weirdly bothers me is that when the demon shows up, he says he was sent by Dehoffrin, but, like, the whole, like, conceit of the end of Selfless was that Dehoffrin wanted her to live with the fact that he killed her best friend, like, right in front of her. And he's like, ooh, your time's gonna come, referencing, like, she's gonna die at the end, and she does. So I'm like, 
why are these demons like being sent by him? I don't know. And maybe they're just there to yeah. rough him up. Rough him yeah, up. True. So we then we cut to Sunnydale High. Robin Wood is reprimanding some students. Um, we he's now like in the fold of like he knows what's going on. We had just the previous episode. He like told Buffy his mother was a slayer, and we learned it was Nikki Wood who Spike had killed. So what happens here, Zach? Uh, they, I mean, it's just a moment between Robin Wood and Buffy, and 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 Robin Wood gives Buffy this. It, it's it's a bag, right? It's a bag yeah, full yeah. of stuff that he says he's never gone through. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely it's, it's, unbelievable. Yeah, it's like I would. Yeah, I'd have gone through that bag every day of my damn life. Um, <laughs> but he gives her this bag full of this this slayer stuff i guess that should have been passed down to buffy buffy's like oh i don't really want it i believe buffy too she's probably like i don't have any room for in my house for this right yeah. now like <laughs> this is clutter this is clutter we're we're decluttering right now um but she takes it and they they go back to the house right yeah 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 um which i do really like i really especially i know i know zach you're not the biggest fan but i love andrew here like meeting mm. Robin Wood and like stammering. <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines of the entire series is guestage. Yes. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I find Andrew very charming and like everyone's understandably very serious about what's going on. And so that's why I really like the like levity of him and Anya sometimes of like, yeah, they know it's the end of the world, but they're still going to like be kind of shitty and jokey about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually really enjoy Andrew in this season personally. <laughs> I mean, he he offers this com- like comedic relief that I think is done tastefully enough cuz he's just like he's just kind of trying his best to create this like exciting narrative even though he has nothing to do with anything really. Um so you know, I he's trying his best and um uh, I really love when uh she says, yeah, he was evil, and now he bakes. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> like kind of same. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yes, I, so I do like him, um, and especially just like, you know, Tom Lank, he did a video for us that I didn't, it took me a second. He was like, oh, when the apocalypse comes, just like wear the same outfit every day. And now I'm realizing, oh, they do have him in. Like, he's kidnapped in those clothes and doesn't really get changed to, like, the second-to-last episode. <laughs> the, the punishment is a little weird, considering all of the evil shit these people have done. Um, yeah, everyone and, in that house has killed someone. <laughs> and it's decided that Andrew's the evil of the evilest that needs to be held hostage. Uh, he can't change, no showers. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, I love seeing that Andrew is a domesticated former evil bad guy guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> also, Robin Wood is, like, very condescending with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the energy Robin Wood comes in this house with. <laughs> yeah, he really... Right, he comes, because I really enjoy him, like, in other episodes, yeah. and, like, I mean, he's gorgeous, but, like, yeah, he comes in with, like, his chest all puffed out, and is, like, very, I don't know, it's almost like he feels Buffy's the only one that's, like, more of an equal, and everyone else is, like, a fucking idiot. Well, uh, Robin Wood is not here for the right reasons. Like, he is here true. for one thing and one thing only, and is to get a look at Spike. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. he, li- he literally does say, show me the vampire later. So, yeah. Like, I, I forgot how sinister they played him in those, like, especially those first run of episodes of season seven, where you're like, yeah. ooh, he has some, like, ill intentions and wants to come for Buffy. And then it's like, no, it turns out, like, he's a good guy. He's on our side. But it's like, he kind of is holding a grudge and it's causing him, his vision to be clouded in 
all of this in this in this war. Yeah, he's very singular minded in this. And I literally wrote in my notes, Robin Wood, so hot, such a drag. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's, just, he's he's dealing with the inherited trauma that his mother as a slayer faced with being forced into this life and is now having to carry that weight since her passing mm-hmm. and is now altering his mind and causing him to do all sorts of crazy things. Yes. You know, Ivy, you summed it up perfectly. So hot, but such a drag. <laughs> it's fair though, right? Kind of fair because right. you, you imagine he watches his mother die and then he doesn't get to address this trauma until much, much, much later on mm-hmm. and like lives his whole life thinking about this and replaying this and, and knowing that these things are out there and then he's not out there, you know, hanging out with the Slayer or anything like that. Buffy is Buffy. Buffy's the first Slayer he meets after his mother, right? I, I won't yeah. assume. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, he finally like meets the Slayer and is introduced. It finally gets access to this world that he already knows exists. And it's like, he's going crazy in his mind and his mind is just stirring, you know, and it, it makes sense um, yeah. that he would be a little bit more singular minded and, and want revenge on Spike. I mean, Spike should have been dead a long, long time ago if we really right. think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I love Spike, but yes, he yeah. there's no reason they shouldn't have killed him many moons ago. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, from first date, the other episode before this, where at the end he does, like, the first comes to him as his mother, that scene's really good, and he, like, sells that scene of, like, the, like, absolute rage he has inside when, like, he learns that vampire Buffy is friends with is the one that killed his mom, and, you know, I guess I really, I, you're right, Zach, I can't blame him, right? Like, <laughs> But also, we're in a war, so get over it, you know? But also, yeah. <laughs> this is the first, this is the first going after one of Buffy's strongest players in the war, Spike. He says, if I can turn one of Buffy's own against him, I could eliminate a key player in all of this. Who, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, he is a key player. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the key player. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I end up, I end up really sympathizing more with Principal Wood in later episodes. Um, He kind of breaks my heart. But like in this episode and leading up to it, I was very, upon first watch, like, fuck this guy. Like, like, get out of here with your vendetta. There's an apocalypse. Yeah. Like everyone's gonna die, including you. So it's let's the, move on. It's the puppy <laughs> chest for me walking in there. It's like, sir, yeah. your mother was the slayer. You are principal <laughs> of Sunnydale High School. <laughs> that is your role. <laughs> you are very likely to get eaten. So <laughs> calm down. But so then they walk out back, and that's where he sees all the potentials. Um, I will say, I'm a big Kennedy defender, but I don't like that she's such an asshole to the other girls in this scene. I'm like, all right, relax, relax. Um, but I gotta, I've been asking everyone, Ivy, how do you feel about Kennedy? Oh, uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for Willow, I'm, I'm happy that, at, you know, towards the end she finds, yeah. you know, some camaraderie and some romance, but I mean, it's just an impossible act to follow after Tara and she's just a personality type that I don't personally vibe with i don't like like bratty bossy uh overly confident people and i'm like what where does all this confidence come from (laughs) what's the deal um (laughs) but i don't like hate her i'm just kind of like "Eh, eh." that's fair kind of 
Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Neil, how do you feel about Kennedy? Guys, I'm a Kennedy apologist. I'm sorry. I will defend Kennedy until the end of the earth. And it wasn't until, I mean, of course, when I was a kid watching this, I was so mad that they were pairing Willow off so quickly with someone else. Um, but Kennedy is a complex character. She was a child trained for this very war. So she's kind of in her own head saying, this is my time to shine. She always thought she was about to age out of being a slayer. Like she was yeah. convinced she was never going to get this chance to do the very thing that she was trained for. She's kind of the anti-faith in a lot of that regard and that she was someone who took this assignment very seriously. Someone who wanted to be that soldier, someone who wanted to save the world. And now she's like, this is my one shot to do it. And the fact that she, like, falls in love with Willow, I'm like, whatever, good for you. You need some structure in your life, Willow. <laughs> I, I, Neil, I don't know that we've talked about this, but I am a Kennedy defender as well. Because everyone hates, I feel like, I can appreciate your point of view, Ivy. It's just like, eh. But, like, some of the hate, I'm like, all right, relax. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, the thing I've said a thousand times on this podcast this during this season is, Oh, a hot young top wants to like lay me out at the end of the world. Sure, like doesn't have to be true love. Like they can just be like, oh, we kind of like each other, and like let's fuck. Sure, why not? Right? Like, <laughs> I no, I agree. That's why I'm neutral. I'm chaotic neutral about Kennedy. Fair. And yeah, <laughs> that's where I think I am. It's not that I hate her, right? It's it's all of us were a different kind of person at 18 years old, right? I probably right. was. Very egotistical, led with my ego, led, you know, with uh, overly confident, whatever. Um, that's where we're seeing her now. So that's really where my annoyance of her comes from. <laughs> I don't know how they would bring her back if they did a revival right now. Um, and she is like burdened with all this, you know, end of the world crap, you know? So it's. Well, and it's funny because every. So every roommate that I had in New York was a straight guy, and every one of them I got to watch Buffy, and they all loved Kennedy. They like. They were like, oh, why do people hate her? The potentials are annoying. She's the only one that, like, can do anything but scream. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, she's not my favorite, but she is very capable. And, like, you know, even, like, an episode like this. After Chloe kills herself, all the potentials disappear, which I kept being like, where is everyone else? Um, yeah. But, like, Kennedy's still there because, like, even, like, the main Scoobies kind of are like, yeah, she's capable. Let's, like, let her into the mix, mm -hmm. right? But anyway, so Kennedy does get a little, like, I think, too mean to Chloe. It's like, all right, we're all friends here. Everyone relax. And also, does it seem like this is the first time they're doing this? Because Chloe's like 20 what? Like, they've never yes. done this before. <laughs> and uh, you look around, it's like, no, Kennedy, they're not ready to kick ass. Like, not, nobody's ready right now. Yeah, nobody in that group. <laughs> um, I do, and then, like, she, like, excitedly comes over and, like, says how much she loves doing this. I do love the bit of Willow coming out with all the weapons. Oh, yes. Allison Hannigan does really good, like, that kind of, like, stumbly, like, cute nerd where she's like, uh, um, well, and, like, her, like, very bad lies. And I thought that was, like, pretty cute when she was like, oh, good, I'm glad, because if you asked about the weapons, I had nothing. Like, she didn't know what, like, lie to make up. Yeah, I thought it was super cute. It gave me, like, a like throwback to simpler times. Like, just, yeah. like, that one moment felt a little bit, you know, like... Oh, this could have been in any season when maybe the world wasn't fully ending yet. <laughs> like, so it's kind of comforting when you're watching it. Like, oh, this feels this feels normal because <laughs> everything else in the in this season doesn't feel normal at all. Um, we also get a very cute. I, I I like the bit of like Robin Wood saying, "Oh, Buffy tells me you've been experimenting," and we get like the quick like lip of everyone's face, and he's like, "With magics." <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Well, and also, I, I love the follow-up, too, of, like, she almost destroyed the world because she's so just, like, her prime willow yeah. self. <laughs> um, so, Neil, I gotta, like, you are someone who, you know, is has been on, into Buffy forever. How do you feel, like, some of the gay jokes that they do don't always land for me, but I still appreciate that, like, this was one of the few shows that, like, especially back then, had gay characters, so it could make, like, gay jokes that aren't, like, homophobic like some of them are kind of lame but like they're not like homophobic or offensive they're like gay jokes that like that like straight people who have gay friends make yeah it feels it's very like tongue-in-cheek to me it's very like uh like everyone everyone is in the know and like here comes this outsider who's like making a making a comment about something completely different and then it's everyone else panicking that to me is because that's not robin making a gay joke that's everyone having this sense of panic being like wait what what are we talking about Uh, Zach, how do you feel about them? It's hit or miss, you know, it usually is. And and you also got to think about just where everybody's mindsets kind of were at this time. Um, Because it was different, I guess. And so, but I think Robin Robin Wood is definitely the character type to think that he blends in with the group a little too soon and would make a gay joke real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Thinking it was funny and nobody else would laugh. My friend once ended up she was like, hey, do you want to, like, I was out drinking with her in New York, and we met up with uh, one of her, her, one of her co-workers was out, and he was like, hey, where are you? We were at a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen, and him and his friend came to meet us, and his friend was that guy, where, like, either he had too many gay friends, so he was immediately trying to be too whatever with me, or he had no gay friends and was just like, oh, cool, look, I can make these jokes, and kept saying, like, Ian's my date today, like, oh, me and Ian are gonna go home together, and I was like, no, we're not. And then, like, I laughed and was like, Jess, that guy's annoying. Like, I don't, that guy's annoying. I don't like him. And then they ended up dating after that. <laughs> like, very oh, briefly. No. And she would bring that up all the time. Like, I know you don't like him. And I'd be like, no, 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 he's fine. <laughs> it's so, like yes. when, the, when the jokes are at someone else's expense, then yes, I'm so against them. Like, anytime yeah. they made a gay joke about Xander or like his right, like yeah, maybe yeah. being gay, I'm just like, ugh, not this again. <laughs> yeah the season like two and three when larry comes out it's like eh, all right yeah we don't need to compare uh what, what does he think they think he's like oh a werewolf but then right, they compare yeah. that to being gay. that's not no we you don't need to compare the two not comparable right. Right. just because i like getting bit doesn't mean i'm a werewolf <laughs> exactly it means you're a vampire duh um duh. So robin wood does say show me the vampire which i kept thinking of the like the meme that went around when um, the Mandalorian was on, and I forget the guy. It's like he's someone famous, isn't he, Neil? The guy that's like, "Show me the baby." Oh, I cannot remember. the The Mandalorian to me is just all vibes, and I'm just like there, and I'm like, "Cool space oh, desert." Absolutely, I'm here. absolutely, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, God, I'm trying to. He's like a documentary. Docu, like he makes documentaries. I couldn't even say the word. He makes documentaries, and he's like. I don't know, but it was a weird role for him. Anyway, he gets killed two seconds later. But, so, <laughs> they go down to the basement, and Spike and Anya are arguing about the fact that he didn't kill the demon that attacked them. I will say, this to me is the loosest thread in the episode of, like, ooh, Spike's not as tough as he used to be, and, like, getting his jacket makes him tough? I don't know. That was weird. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, again, I like any moment with Anya, and I think she looks cute in her little, uh, cardigan but so then spike makes a the the buffy writers love doing this when he's like oh i'm the only one that like beat that guy off and he's like oh the better word would have been say repel him and this scene zach 
this is where Robin Wood is like uh, like a hundred at a hundred, right? He's like so aggressive. Yeah. And it feels like Buffy doesn't notice. Or she doesn't give, you know what, this is not her priority right now, okay? That's true. <laughs> like, she should not have to notice this. There are, if this is a war and she is the leader, there need to be, like, people under her dealing with shit like this. This is not her <laughs> her job. And yeah, her, her whole plan right now is to recruit him to help out. Because she's like, we need all the soldiers we can get, and anyone yeah. with any sort of Slayer knowledge might be helpful here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's also had powerful men puffing their chests at each other around her constantly her entire life so she probably is just like mm, whatever <laughs> i don't even know that's a good point I <laughs> just go beat off together and then come back <laughs> when you're refreshed and everybody's happy and ready to go okay I, yeah. my notes literally say these boys need to kiss or fuck it out like and be relaxed <laughs> you are right buffy's just like whatever keep puffing your chest i don't fucking care um yeah so then we cut to this is one of the few cute sister moments Buffy and Dawn get, and I'm so bummed that it's like very quickly interrupted, but I like that Dawn's like, oh, I'm just not going to school. Oh, I'm going to fail out. And she's like, oh, I just like seeing you get upset. And then like they walk in on poor Chloe. Mm-hmm. I do think this scene is done well, though. It is like bleak. I mean, it, yeah, I think it's it's pretty dark and realistic. And I think this yeah. is kind of where the season starts taking a more like a way more serious tone and the rest of the episode gets really serious it's like oh no this is real this is evil this is actual yeah. darkness and i think like evil per- personified would be like you know what takes over and the, the darkness that can take over leading someone to take their own life when you know they wouldn't of otherwise you know and so mm-hmm. it was just uh it was very real and i feel like it's very pivotal in this episode as well as yeah. the season yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those moments where like I think it kind of shakes everyone to their core because it's the first death that they weren't able to prevent outright because all the potentials who had died in pursuit of coming to Sunnydale died before they could get to be under their watch. I, I believe this is one of the first that the first actually like kills of their litter, their yeah, their little team. Because uh, the, so- the other the other the other potential she buries her next to like got to the house but it was the first and she died like in a hotel or yeah, yeah 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 so it's like the the very first casualty of their war someone that they actually knew so it kind of like shakes everyone and makes them realize like any one of us could be next and we need to figure out what to do and how to handle the situation which then causes chaos amongst the friends yeah yeah it's just insanely creepy you know uh so the rule is that the first can't touch anybody right but when they walk in and see the first standing next to this body, it's it's almost like the first is sitting there like swinging the body and kind of taunting yeah. them with it. Um, and everybody is looking at this and Buffy says, you know, don't, don't listen, but like everybody's listening. Nobody's not going to right. just cover their ears or like walk. It, it would have been hilarious if everybody just turned around and, you know, walked <laughs> off leaving the first, just giving that speech. But it, yeah, this is the first casualty of what, what Neil said, the litter. Um, you know, and they probably this is such like a, a DIY army that there's no training that, you know, they're not trained to see how each other's feeling. If everybody's like handling the pressure. All right. You know, everybody's right. just kind of thrown in there and, and we're seeing these little little seeds that Chloe was not handling this pressure, you know, OK. Right. And nobody could pick up on that because everybody's mind is like elsewhere, you know? And like, I mean, to be, that's fair though, right? Like everyone's mind would be at like, a yeah, ten, yeah. Right? It's like, there is no right way to kind of put this whole thing together. And I think we see that later with Buffy's speech and everybody thinking it's too harsh, but like, what is the right way? Because clearly something, it, clearly we're in a tailspin right now. Right. 
And you know what? I actually do think what makes it even creepier is when the first, as Chloe says, TTFN. Mm-hmm. And like Buffy's like, what's that? Because Buffy's like, you know, quote unquote, the adult. But then it's just like, oh, it's just reciting a Winnie the Pooh thing that she liked. Like Tigger says that. And I think that makes it even more like chilling and bleak that mm-hmm. it's like a little kid thing, not like a ominous threatening thing. It's just, oh, she was doing, saying a little kid thing that Chloe liked, you know, because she was like the younger teen girl. Mm. Yeah. I agree that it's like super creepy because it's the uh, it's the depths in which the first can really like dig up in you. Yeah, you know, so yeah. very creepy. So now we're at the speech, Buffy. We see Buffy burying Chloe. She comes in, asks if anyone wants to say any words. I don't know, Zach. You mentioned it before. What? Give me your rundown of this. The speech. The speech. Yeah. I mean, everybody's gathered. It's everybody's kind of. Everybody's gathered in the same space, but there's also like different pockets of the room that everybody's kind of huddled into on their own. And then Buffy comes in and gives this speech starting with, you know, Chloe was an idiot and it's harsh and it kind of slaps everybody in the face and knocks everybody off balance. And she proceeds to give this speech like, I can't be soft on you guys. Like you guys need, I've been carrying you. I've been too easy on you. And like, this is not working. Um, Yeah. Kind of going around would. Do you think, do you guys think that she was too harsh or do you think this is the kick in the ass that everybody needs? Um, I think that she could have worded it a little less harsh because she does get a lot of pushback. You know, people start getting kind of annoyed with Buffy acting like she's the only one capable of doing anything and they start feeling kind of unseen and, you know, uh, it's, that's kind of also the beginning of this weird mutiny that ends up happening. And you can kind of see it starting there. People yeah. are like, what the fuck? I'm like doing everything I can lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, I, I can put myself in Buffy's shoes and I would probably say the exact same things, but she is talking to a bunch of teenagers and she's also talking to people that have been helping her their entire lives. And I think they just feel a little bit, um, you know, not appreciated in that moment, you know, it could have been handled a little more delicately. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's Buffy is always the, the, the series really drives home that Buffy is always strongest when she relies on others that she, when she quote unquote shares her power. Um, and this is kind of one of those moments where she thinks the only way to get through this is to be step up and become a leader, quote unquote, but not consult anyone. So it really is the first uh, trickle of this big mutiny that does happen. Like you said, um, and it really is starting to show that she's just as much as everyone else. She's not, she's never had to lead an army before. She doesn't know what she's doing, but she's not willing to ask for help from everyone. She thinks I have to be the strongest one and carry this burden. And it's like, no girl, everyone can help you with this. Just mm-hmm. like, let them, let them come in and let, let's have a discussion about this. Yeah. Zach, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I see it both ways because clearly she needs to, and she's been kind of doing this already, right? Kind of trying to toughen them up a little bit. And at this point, you know, you you can say, oh yeah, these are teenagers. We have to, you know, be a little bit more gentle with them. But at the same time, like this is, this is not a normal circumstance. Like this is life or death. And this is a very, very if we're talking an army, this is a very small army. Um, and she needs them to be tough. She doesn't have room or a margin for error. She doesn't have room for them to, you know, have feelings, which on the flip side, on their side, it's like, well, we do have feelings, you know, we're human, we're terrified, we are, you know, and and you're not exactly coming in and giving us pep talks, you know, you're coming in and saying Chloe was an idiot. And so I right. see it from both ways. It's just a really hard, 
it's a hard place for everybody to be in. And she's what, 22 here? Like she's right, not yeah. going to do it the right way anyway. She's going to do – she's going to try different methods and see what works. Um, but she even goes after Spike at one point and you know, kind of questions his uh, – That's that's where it feels like she's just lashing out at that point. Yeah, because – Oh, yeah. Buffy's been, you know, back to back to back toxic relationships, right? So she knows she knows how to be in a toxic relationship. And what do you do in a toxic relationship? Is, you know, you tack you tack your man's manhood, you know? Like that's what she's doing. And he's he gets so fired up, he gotta go get his jacket later on, you know? <laughs> but this, this is this is the speech she should have given Angel every time he was whimpering in a corner, you know? Oh my god, yes, please. <laughs> but I, I will say, like I, I feel like you're all right. Like I, I go back and forth. Um, I think I told you this recently, Zach, like every time I rewatch season seven, I feel like I take a different side mm-hmm. because I do understand that. Like what like you said, Zach, she Buffy, it's not like she's like this 30 year old talking to teenagers. She's not that far removed from their age. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is kind of being a little too much. Like I, I get what she's trying to do, but like, these are all like, teenagers who were not kennedy is the only one who was trained and like her friends kind of too but like all the rest of these like younger girls are not trained are just fucking terrified so like i don't know that saying oh this person who just died by suicide they're a fucking idiot like i don't know that that's like helpful right and it's not helpful but right. she thinks that this is the way to go, that she yes. needs to be a hard ass. And you, you think about it, it's a bunch of kids in a house with no parental supervision. And there's one who steps up and is like, I'm going to be the boss here and do things the way I think the adult would do them, right? Um, in a way, like she's seen Giles be harsh to her. Maybe yeah. she is just kind of, you know, trying to emulate a style of that but there really is no right way to do any of this everybody's just taking step by step by step yeah Yeah. and like the thing that i like when kennedy's like hey you're out of line like i'm like see again kennedy's kind of right um and i i hate that she like lashes out at xander she lashes out at spike i do kind of like when she's like says something about her friends and anya's like i'm not She's like, what do you do? Yeah, she's like, what do you do? And Anya's like, I provide much needed sarcasm. I think that's such like a very good Anya line. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so Spike leaves because she's just like, I need the Spike that tried to kill me when he met me. And it's like, okay, well, that's not what you need because you don't want him to try to kill you. But like, Mm -hmm. eh, I don't know. Yeah. So, but then we cut to, we kind of just immediately go into like, all the potentials disappear from the house. Do we know, do they mention, did I miss, do they say where Giles is at all? No, they don't. No. Do they? He's not mentioned at all, I don't think, in this Right, episode. like, I don't even think they say his name. You know what they need, what Giles <laughs> needs to be out there doing is the, the council is gone now. There is money sitting in a bank account somewhere, and they need this money. Okay, she needs back pay for seven years. <laughs> Zach, you're right, you should be looking for that watcher council money. <laughs> um, so... I, we get this scene of they're opening up the bag. She's called Robin Wood over. Um, I fucking love all of this shit. I like that it's like they're looking through the, like the shadow puppets or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm into shit like this with the Scoobies. I love I love a, a good event like something yeah. that's gonna like really take you out of the story and be like, ooh, this new thing is like leading us down this like creepy path. I don't know. Yeah. I, I always love when shit drives a narrative like that. I like when they get mystical with it and. Uh, 
yeah, it, it actually feels ancient and creepy and cool. And I, I, when I first watched it, I was very like, where is this going? Yeah, you know what you point out, you make a good point, because it is kind of like Buffy had mostly dropped the creepy at this point, but this is like kind of creepy, right? Yes. With like the shadows on the wall and then making the noises of the demons. Season seven really brings that back, though. The creep factor of Buffy. You know, we have conversations with dead people. We yeah. have different moments like that. And this, I, the hairs go up on my arm whenever, I, you know, they have a, a fast moving picture with like voices that shouldn't be there that are increasingly getting louder and louder. You know, this, mm. this scene was, the, the shadow casting scene was very effectively creepy. Yeah, yeah. And so they open a portal. And even I even liked when like Xander's like, How are you so good at reading Sumerian now? And she's like, It's become English. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I love that. The portal opens. They're all kind of like, ooh, don't step through. And Buffy's like, No, I got it. And Buffy, Buffy has never through. seen a glowing energy spot she didn't <laughs> want to jump into. No. <laughs> That's her little quirk. She's quirky like that. <laughs> She just likes him. <laughs> so then we find out that, because they, someone says, right, like when this is going on, there might be an exchange. And we find, as Xander says, they're exchange student. And it's this ridiculous looking demon that looks like a low rent orc from Lord of the Rings, maybe, question mark, I think. Holy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the muscles look just like puffy, fake costume muscles, right? Yeah, styrofoam, styrofoam uh, yeah. muscles, yes. Like, that's me under there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I gotta point out, my girl Kennedy is the first one that's like, get me a weapon, and just, like, runs at the fucking thing. I do love Spike being like, I got this, and then getting thrown through the ceiling. <laughs> um, very, uh, Neil, it's very, it reminded me of, um, quick, wait, Neil, what did it remind me of? <laughs> the scene in X-Men, when, uh, X-Men 3, when, like, he oh, throws Wolverine through the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, then, uh, Zach, where are we? <laughs> uh, so, Willow starts her big mojo thing, right? They have to go through... They they, they, they lose the demon, right? The demon takes off. Um, right, right, right. And so, they need to... They need to open a portal. I think that's, like... Step number one. They don't know what the fuck is happening. So um, they decide Willow needs to do some magic. And she's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know. Um, then oh, they- right. Because Anya, Anya has a very good line here that I do like. It's like, she's like, she can do it herself. You missed her everyone sucks but me speech. I yeah. thought that was a really good <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so Willow like gets to work on opening this portal. And you know what I find a little disappointing about the season is that we have the magic as addiction storyline, right? But we don't really have an, an arc where Willow kind of learns to control her power. It always kind of just overtakes her. Happens, yeah. And it, it keeps happening over and over again until the last episode she – does she have control over it? Does it like... Yeah. No, uh, I think she does. Uh, it's like a half and half. I don't know. <laughs> um, if it's changing her hair color without her permission, I think that's... I don't I don't th- think she has that much control over it. Um, but yeah, they, no, they get into this and they're all standing around and watching Willow do this, this big magical spell to open up this portal. Is this before or after her and Anya go back and forth about their knowledge of magic? This is, this is when it happens because... I forget, I forget what it is, right? Because she does go, and Dawn's like, are you helping? Which I thought was a really good yeah. uh, bit. 
Um, Dawn's doing the thing that Buffy is not being able to do, which is let's talk this out. Let's yes. everyone contribute a little bit to the conversation. We all have different pieces of this. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, yes. I season seven. Dawn is my favorite version of Dawn because they make her so much better and so much more capable. So we then get, we get the portal opening and we see Buffy snapping through and into the desert, which mm. I'm pretty sure if, if it's not the exact same spot, it looks like the spot where she met the first Slayer in uh, Restless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks exactly like Joshua Tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, this is like, I, it's probably supposed to be somewhere across the universe and it's <laughs> definitely a Joshua Tree moment. <laughs> it's a place where everyone has been stoned. Um, <laughs> yes. I gotta say, though, I like that it does a little bit with the cinematography here, or at least the lighting, to show that it's, quote-unquote, different, right? Because um, the show doesn't often do that, and I do really like totally. the look of her here, and I also like the imagery. I mean, I love her fucking like, skirt in this, and I love the imagery of it like blowing in the wind in the desert. So she then runs into the shadow men as she's like walking in the desert, and I like that even Buffy's like making a joke because she's like, how do I understand you? Just kidding. I know it's magic. Um, <laughs> but then they knock her out as she's like rambling nervously to them. And we cut back to the summer's house. Oh, this is when Zach, they actually have that back and forth. They're, they're jumping around so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little confused. Okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Every, everything I just said about Willow happens here. <laughs> <laughs> because this is when Spike's like, he needs to go get something and it's just his jacket. And it's like, you can beat up the demon without your jacket. (laughs) I think there might've been like a line or like a scene cut that was supposed to like lean into that. It just seemed like it was very, like they rushed through some sort of story with Spike. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be symbolic. It's like, you know, (laughs) obviously he's back, he's back to his old ways. And then of course, you know, Robin Wood is there waiting, just being a drag. And, you know, I do like that though. I really like Robin seeing the jacket and knowing whose it is. Like that's, that's a really good moment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like, that makes sense that he would recognize the exact jacket that like his mother died in. Right? Yeah. Like he watched her. I like, mean, talk about triggering, you know, all, yeah. the, all the bells and whistles going off there. Um, yeah. But so Spike leaves, they're like, you know, whatever they do their back and forth. Willow does do her, like start to do her spell. Um, and she like blasts over Dawn and Kennedy. Uh, but then we cut back to Buffy. She's like waking up and she's chained up. And I like, I don't know. I just really like the imagery. I think it was a really good outfit for her to wear against this like desert cavey type mm-hmm. background are any of y'all in california yes. yeah i am okay in february is it cold enough to be wearing a big chunky sweater and a denim jacket over if you're dramatic Could enough be. yes <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the fashion <laughs> yeah i mean like la weather is super bipolar around that time so one day it'll be super hot and the next day it's you know Sweater okay. weather-ish, sweater weather-ish, you know, you can make it happen. I will say the costume designer has said that the reason she wore a lot of those is because Sarah Michelle Geller was always cold and she wanted to wear layers. Mm. Oh, I'm a big turtleneck fan. <laughs> you know, I don't love the turtleneck, but she pulls it off really well. It's like, a great outfit. She looks yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, when I visited LA, I feel like at night it does get colder, right? Like that's, I would bring a hoodie with me to wear like if I was going out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially, like, yeah. the longer you're here, the more out of touch with how cold actually feels that you do start <laughs> yes. to believe, like, 60 <laughs> degrees is freezing. 
yeah, absolutely, my, it's freezing. <laughs> my, my, my Zoom trainer is in LA. Uh, hi, Wes. Um, and he'll always be like, oh my God, it's freezing today. It's 65. I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, okay. So she, they're like doing this spell. They're like talking to her. She insists she has enough power. I want to know what everyone thinks about, because I would have just taken it. I don't know that I would have given a shit Then like, all right, it's part demon, but it'll help me be stronger. Sure. Why not? I um, think she was just controlling the narrative. She was like, I don't need these men telling me I need more power. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely. She, she's just like, stop, stop calling the shots. It's time that someone new takes over and like starts to like figure out what's going on here. Yeah. We don't know what that power could have done to her. It could have corrupted her like the first. Yeah. That's, yeah, she could have turned into a big scary demon, you know. You don't know. You don't know. And and there's a way for them to do this easier. They could have put it in a little pill or something, you know, a little chewable. <laughs> or just be like, "Hey, we have these powers to offer you. Would you like them?" Yeah, I'm- yeah. I th- I like that aspect of it. Of like, uh, we kind of figure out again, like going back to maybe why the the first layer is is so intense. I mean, yeah, she was made the first layer kind of it seems like against her will and mm-hmm. through the, a kind of like violent you know non-consensual act and so in some ways i do like the parallels of that as like being a woman and being like no i'm not gonna take your weird creepy demon power by force i'm gonna <laughs> fight back and like do this on my own thank you and she can <laughs> fight back she's got the you know she she was there chained all the while knowing she could like take these chains off. She's like, oh, let yeah. me see where this is going first. I'm going to see what they're <laughs> doing. Um, yep. But the first layer didn't have that power initially. You know, she had to stay there, stay there chained. Yeah. And um, this, this, you know, it was a really good look into kind of what the first layer experienced. And it would have been nice to get like, I don't know, even a full episode of like the first layer's backstory. There's a, there's a comics, a comic book run called tales of slayers. Um, mm-hmm. And that would have made such a great like mini series. And they, in it, they start with the the first slayer. Yeah, no, I, I, I Zach, I feel like you and I have talked about this a hundred times. Oh, so yeah. I'm always all for that. I mean, if Ryan, if Ryan Murphy had, you know, created <laughs> Buffy, we would absolutely have an ongoing anthology series of Tales of the Slayer at this point, and I would be there for every single season, no matter how off the rails it went. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't ever say if Ryan Murphy had Buffy. It's like you're putting a curse out there. I know. Which character is, is Sarah Paulson playing in the Buffy universe? <laughs> she's playing Buffy. <laughs> no! No, no, no. She's, she's playing like a badass lady watcher, probably. Well, she's playing that, and she's playing one of the gentlemen, and she's playing, you know, she's... she's <laughs> Multiple roles here. And Spike. And Spike. Yeah. And Spike. <laughs> so Buffy kind of beats up two of the guys. She like, I, I don't love the like fake scream. They have her scream because it even feels unlike Buffy. Like Buffy doesn't scream. Because she decided she wasn't going to scream anymore, right? She Yes. Okay. Because uh. even, even in uh, Hush, that's a dubbed. It's like someone else did that scream. Ah, uh, Sarah. <laughs> it's hard to it's a, it's hard to fake scream, and she didn't want to be labeled a scream queen. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, Neil, uh, Ivy, you both are performers. Have either of you heard a scream on camera? Yes, yes, it's hard. Right, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah, you can't really replicate those sorts of moments unless you're actually faced with danger. <laughs> a slightly fun fact is, I actually did a porn parody. Of I know what you did last summer 
called I Know Who You <laughs> Fucked Last Halloween. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I was uh, the ma- I was the the final girl, and I screamed a lot, and I had no voice after that, and it was not from the scenes that you think it would be from. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we're going to talk about on Nudie Judy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love that. I love that you just dropped that uh, on us. That's awesome. But like, so yeah. I've and I've only had to do it once because I did like a a little like fake movie trailer for my book, and I was supposed to scream and I couldn't. There was like a scene that I wrote that the character I was playing had to scream, and I had to like redo it because I just could not scream. And you everyone kept let being go. like, "You sound like a robot. You need to do it again." And I'd be like, "I don't know how to scream." <laughs> um, but so Buffy screams, rejects the like smoke monster from Lost, and. Beats up the other shadow men. This is being cut with Spike. He has his jacket on. He's going. Robin Wood has seen him. Tells him nice jacket. He says he got it in New York. And then he's fighting the like silly puffed up monster. Um, did we all? I I don't know that I noticed this before, but I think the cigarette is a reference to like when fight when Spike when Spike when Spike first comes to Sunnydale when he gets out of his car he like likes his yeah. cigarette. Yeah. Oh, cute, cute. He's not the same. He could try. Put on your jacket, <laughs> but you're, you're, you know, mm. it's not the he's same. He's a puppy on a leash now. He is. Which That's is okay. not happening. If he is okay with that, that is fine. He's just, he's feeling like he's got to prove his manhood to Buffy. Yeah. I know. It's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> and the like techno rock beat that like drops as Spike's beating up the demon was like very of the time. <laughs> um so he he kills that demon brings him to the house and then buffy confronts the last standing shadow man and is like tell me something or show me something i don't already know and he's like all right cool and puts his hand to her face um and then we get like the exchange buffy's back and i just say that she looks so stunning and when they like light her face up right there and yes it's like hand to her ear i'm just like oh this beauty, this yes. grace. I'm obsessed with that moment just because she looks so beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, hard agree. She really fucking does. Um, so, like, we get, uh, oh, because, right, we didn't mention this, but because Willow had, like, drained energy from Kennedy and Anya to open the portal, Kennedy is freaked out. And I almost feel like we're too close to the end. Don't do this. Just, like, blow past this. Say it didn't make you feel great, but you're fine. Like, I don't need, like, them... They, they do a little too much of, like, trying to drum up more drama with the characters at the end here when I'm like, yeah. no, it's fine. Everyone keep going. We're good. Like... I mean, for Kennedy, too, like, she is now facing the reality of this war. Like, yeah. we saw her earlier. She was so excited to call someone a maggot. And she was like, I get to be a trainer. Like, I get to, like, be the teacher and, like, have everyone look up to me. And now she's really freaking out. She's like, people are going to get hurt. People are going to, you know, potentially turn on each other. This is this is where we're at. And am I ready for this? Or am I actually still just a scared little teenager? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like her, her first like real brush with like actual darkness and, you know, like seeing that side of Willow and yeah, I thought it was kind of lame that she was so like weirded out by it when Willow's g- given her fair warning of what it's like when, uh, when it gets She has, back. right? She really has. And yes. Kennedy still like eggs her on, right? Like you'll be fine. It's okay. Just, Take a little bump of this magic. You'll be okay. And, yeah. And Willow's like, you don't know. You don't get it. You don't get well. She gets a nail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Zach, where do we end the episode? Where does Willow go after this? 
Oh, gosh. Where do we end <laughs> I'm just basically, I'm sorry. Neil, where do we go after oh, this? Oh, my gosh. Co-host dropped. It's, 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 with, uh, it's with Willow and Buffy, right? They talk about yeah. Buffy's experience. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I like this a lot. I like I like these moments. I think it is wild that Allison Hannigan and Sam Geller were like basically not speaking during this season because their best friend moments are always like my favorite moments. Um, and I like that like even though you know Willow just had a fight with her girlfriend, but she's kind of like, all right, let me check into my best friend. And there's not she's not like holy crap, Kennedy and I. She's like, how are you? I don't. And Buffy's clearly feeling bleak. You have a. Yeah, there? I don't think I agree with that. I think they seem – I think the Scoobies are, throughout the series, growing further and further apart. And I think seeing them together in this scene really – they seem distant to me. They seem like they really only are tied together because of this. Um, but if they were living in a normal world, they probably you know, wouldn't be friends. Like what happens after, after season seven? I don't think they would have stayed in touch much because uh, they don't seem like the closest of best friends here. They just seem like war buddies. Yeah. But like, I don't know, that also kind of what being friends is. Like, yeah, we went through some shit together. Well, well, especially if you're in your early 20s like they are, you don't quite realize right. that yet. You think friendship is just all like, oh, like, we're just going to like go hang out at the bronze and like go see a movie and talk about boys and girls. And then now they're starting to realize like, oh, like adult friendships are a lot harder. And are we ready for this? Hmm. What's your reading on it, Ivy? Um, yeah, I, I actually feel like it was kind of sad it felt a little distant to me too um because i do like in season seven i miss you you find yourself missing all those moments and you don't realize you miss them until you see them together but they don't have that same connection i don't feel like they do but so uh Zach, what is what is the reveal here? The reveal the- is this big ass army of Uber vamps, and that this this shot is is fantastic. It's almost like when you it, when you think to the finale, it's crazy that this little group of girls is going to go up against that. It's wild because this is so intimidating when they do this big pan out shot of all of these people on you know in the Hellmouth. And I can you remember? I remember how I felt when I first saw that, like being like intense. holy shit, intense. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah neil what'd you what'd you think of that like uh kicker at the end oh i mean like like they had already been kind of hinting at like this like epic battle was going to happen but we didn't quite realize and this is not our first time in the actual hellmouth is it like actually seeing I, what's down there i think it is i think it is actually they've only, yeah. jumped, only ever jumped in there right yeah 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 and they, we've only ever seen the the turokan come up from it but this is kind of the first time you're like oh this is what's in the mouth yeah. of hell is just mm-hmm. this army waiting to be unleashed. Like they'd always talked about it just as this mystical conversion point, but like right. finally seeing what's down there and like what's waiting for them. It's like, Oh, there's a reason Buffy had to keep this closed for so long. This is really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's extremely overwhelming and kind of epic at the same time. Like uh, I think it's, kind of gets you a little bit excited about where the season's going to go. Like, how are they going to do this? This is psychotic. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of gave me like uh, that same overwhelming feeling of like when you're watching Lord of the Rings and like, you know, the orcs yes. just don't stop mm-hmm. coming, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but how? Um, but, you know. <laughs> this always also reminded me of the rave from the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The rave from the Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> when they go into like the underground society, like the techno rave that's happening, I think in like, is it in the second one? I think it's the second one. Yeah. yeah. 
I was like, I want to party down there. Yeah, I like techno. (laughs) A techno vampire rave. Techno music playing with this reveal, too. (laughs) And now for a quick break. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so, they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERSLAYERFEST, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies, y'all. And now, with a fashion roundup for Get It Done, we have Buffy Season 7 costume designer, Matt Van Dyne. Hello, Matt. Hi. Hi, everyone. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, I'm excited what you have to tell us about this episode, because I think I've told you before, that outfit she wears in the desert is like one of my favorites. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I do recall I, I do recall that you said that, and some other people have said that as well. And that is so funny, which I'm going to share something now that, with you that I never have before. Ooh, okay. I didn't like it. Really? And yes. <laughs> initially. Initially. Okay? okay. I didn't like it. And I watched, I watched this episode, I, oh, I'll just share it with you, yesterday at 4.30 in the morning. Because <sighs> I, I, I wanted to prep for you guys to make sure I knew what I was talking about. So I looked at it, and I liked it. I liked it a okay. lot. You know, and I'm not sure why I didn't like it in the beginning, except I have my scripts, and I have everything you know, that related to this episode. Pretty much, I have a lot of notes about this show. For this mm. particular episode, and I'm looking back, and in my, which would be the third draft of the script, but my first draft, you know, I was the, it was the first one I received, and the and yes. in the very initial script, I have written it down for that particular scene when she's in the cave, that mm. she will be wearing pants. Huh. Now that was before, and then I I thought, now why would I have written that down? Because it was in the notes in the later script that there's a wind element and the skirt blows and, and you know, all of these things happen. Well, that wasn't in the original script. So that's why, oh, she could wear pants. And the reason we wanted her to wear pants was because, as I've mentioned before, Sarah always wanted to be warm wherever yeah. she was. And she was going to be out in the desert in uh, January up in, you know, uh, the high desert here in California, which can get very cold, you know, at certain times of the year. So that was the idea was, you know, oh, well, we'll just put her in pants. So then Mm. what happened later was I have a note here and it's probably, I don't know if this was to myself 
Oh, wait. Yes. Here it is. It says, Sarah <laughs> feels it works in office and something, I can't read my other scribble. <laughs> okay. That, that's, I guess is, this is when I came up with it, was to do the skirt because I, I, I talked to, is it Doug who maybe was the writer? Uh, I talked to them about, you know, what was going to happen when they changed it to the wind element. And uh-huh. I thought, well, if we're going to do a skirt, I want it to be something that's going to show you know, like a lot of movement. And that's where we came up with the tiered idea of the skirt mm. and being three tiers or whatever like that. So, you know, it would really flap and blow and all that. But also to keep her warm was to put her in the high boots. But then I wrote here something not too dressy, something that crosses all scenes, which is what happens in the show. I, and, you know, looking have, after having looked back at it, you know, Sarah ends up wearing basically the outfit, only adding the, the, the turtleneck underneath yeah. later on in the, in the, um, but it does work throughout the whole episode. So, yeah. so we came up with something that really, you know, played well over the whole episode. So, hmm. um, and I know where the denim jacket came from. I can tell you, <laughs> it's a theory jacket. That's what it is. Okay. And it came from. Let's see. Did I write down where it came from? Multiples. We had to buy multiples of it. I don't. I don't have where it came from. But it came from. Oh, but it cost. It was one hundred and seventy-five dollars. And doesn't it look great on her? I was looking yeah. at the color of that blue. Just just that shade of blue. How pretty it is on her. Yeah, because it's a different, it's not quite like fully denim normal right, color. It's like a little right, light, yeah. Right, right, right. And, and she just looks uh, so pretty in it. And then w- with the turtleneck too, you know, just the way we layer it, you know, I thought, well, it looks so nice, you know. And <laughs> like I said, though, in the beginning, you know, when I did it, maybe it's because I was disappointed because I had a different concept for what we were going to do. And then when I had mm. to change it, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we'll just do yeah. this. But what what was also interesting to me in this um, episode, the episode opens. Isn't this the episode? Yes, yeah, she's in she's in bed, right? Or the, yeah, the dream. she sees the first layer. Yeah. Okay. And when I watched this, I thought, well, I'm sure those are juicy sweats, you know, that she's wearing <laughs> the velour sweats. She loved those. But I, I was watching how I I did the darker. Uh, version of it at the very end of the episode because of everything that happens from it's kind of like bookends it's almost like the same outfit but one's lighter and one's darker and oh, I, nice. and i really thought that through at the time you know I, I as i watched it it came back to me and i went oh yeah that's why i did that but um, i love that but yeah but sarah wears everything so well anyway yeah. so and what i just wanted to mention from uh, a previous episode, something I noticed that she was wearing in the previous episode, it was uh, a, a burgundy um, wide neck uh, V-neck sweater. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, she, I thought it just, I mean, she looks great. I like her neck and, and you know, her uh, decollete, you know, the cleavage, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so beautiful. I mean, she just wears everything so beautifully. And then she wears turtlenecks so beautifully. It was like, you know, everything because she had this long neck. I think that's why you know everything worked that way on her. But but uh, but she, I just thought she, you know she looked so beautiful in the episode 
And I, I loved her earrings. I, I made note of them, but I don't know where they came from. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I don't know. But um, and also in this episode, I, I noticed, uh, you know, I, th- I just think Emma, who played Anya, you know, mm-hmm. uh, great, great clothing. I just <laughs> thought she looked great when she's out in the de- in the denim jacket and uh, going for the walk. Is, it, is she on the walk with Spike? Is that who she's with? I forget. Oh, you got me stumped for yeah, one. So I, can't I can't remember, remember. <laughs> when they run into the demon, right? Uh, De Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, De, which by the way, De Hoffman was all made. That was all custom made, but we didn't really get to see too much of him. I don't know if we ever see him again or not, but, um, but uh, that outfit was me. But, uh, but Emma's denim jacket was something, all her outfit was mostly from Saks. And uh, that was a pretty denim, denim jacket that she wore that tied at the waist. And it was uh, by a, a, a designer called Tyler. I don't, I'm not familiar with that design. Huh. And then uh, her little pants, the, she always wore the prettiest uh, low slung pants, you know, cause she just had that beautiful body, you know, and that mm. those were theory. They, those came from theory. And they were $195. And I don't know if we needed multiples for those or not. I'm not sure. And the cream cardigan. <clears throat> oh, that comes later. I'm sorry. The cream cardigan that she wears later in the episode. That was. Wait, Matt, I have to ask you something. Was he supposed to, because he's not in this episode, but he's mentioned. Is he supposed to be in De Hoffren? Uh, well, who was the, who was the, the, the demon that attacks them then? Good question. Oh, oh, the like random demon that comes through the random portal. Demon. Was that not Dahlia? Okay. No, no, that was that was just like a random demon. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Well, I've screwed this up, didn't I? <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, whoever that demon is, he was custom made. See, I, I, I'm more about the costume than the character, I guess. Right. <laughs> you know who, who is the name of the character anyway? But, but yes. Yeah, so. And then there's another, the other, the portal demon, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Decor, right? Yeah. Was that, was that just like a rental or did you like make No, all we of that? made that. And then oh, nice. I, I had allotted for that in my budget. I think there was, for him, I think it was $800, as I recall, to make him. Yeah. It's portal demon, we called him at the time. $800. And, <laughs> but what was funny is his Ugg boots. <laughs> <laughs> it came from Nordstrom. And, they, and we, of course, we distressed them and all that, but they were $228.14. We had to order, love- and we had to order them. They were ordered. I love that the demon had Ugg boots. <clears throat> yes, it was, it was an order. And then Principal Wood, we have, I thought, I thought, I thought it was kind of sweet in the episode. They, they make a note of him being a snappy dresser. You know, which yeah. which was really <laughs> sweet. But uh, his, uh, I remember we ordered his dress shirt. I have here that he wore um, later in in the episode, I guess, at some point. And that we had to order it. It was a Zenya dress shirt, which we had Zenya suits for him as well. And but the dress shirt, I haven't even heard of that brand. Yeah, it was uh, two hundred and twelve dollars for his Ooh. dress shirt, and we had to special order it. What other notes do I have here? But the whole this whole episode had a larger budget of thirty one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. It was a large episode. It was a big episode. Mm-hmm. And for Sarah, I had allotted forty eight hundred dollars for her clothing. 
And but you made that skirt, right? Yes, it was all made. That's thank you for pointing that out. Yes, I had <laughs> I did design that and made it. Yes, yes. That is so impressive. I how long like I, because you had such a short schedule, like did you have to like I was pretty much make over sure and you overnight? <laughs> Holy <much>. crap! <laughs> so come up with something and fit her. You know, pretty much, pretty fast. Get the fabric, all that. You run out to the FNS Fabrics. That's who it was. FNS Fabrics and um, huh. over in um, on the west side. You know, they were fairly close by, not too close, but fairly close by. But then, yeah, we had so many other characters in this episode. <clears throat> and uh, Spike, I had allotted $1,200 for him. And I wanted to mention, this is funny. I have such a specific memory of this. This is a funny, I don't know that I've ever told this story. Probably, I might have told okay. it when I was in France for the convention. But, but in this episode, I didn't remember which episode it was. And I thought, is that the shirt? Well, he's wearing this teal-colored shirt. And it had little details on it. But one of the details on the shirt was that it had French cuffs. Now, this was something he'd never worn before. Mm. And he called me to the set, James did. And he said, now, okay. now, why would I wear a shirt like this? <clears throat> and I said, well, here was my thinking. And I did have a reason for it. I said, well, I just remembered, you know, in past, in your past life, you were somewhat of a dandy, you know, in the way he mm. dressed. And, you know, that that is kind of like spilling over now into your life now before you make the big transformation that back to being the big spike that we always were aware right. of, you know. With and, and I want to say something about this. I don't want to uh, say okay. uh, when he makes the transformation and puts the coat back on, the leather mm. coat. Hats off to Cynthia Bergstrom for that, because that coat is beautiful, you know, and it works so well on him. Was it the same one? That's what I was going to ask. Yes, yes, it was. It was the same one. As, if, as I recall, it was. I don't think that I, I'm going to give her credit for it anyway, so, <laughs> because I think, I think it is. I think so. You know, I would think. Mm. I mean, it would make sense that they wouldn't get rid of that because they yes. would know he would eventually yes. wear it Come again. back to it. But I was going to yeah. say hats off to Cynthia for that. That was <laughs> that was a great look on him. It was. I mean, yeah, I imagine he, it was inspired by probably Back to the Matrix and all that. I'm not sure, but I would think somewhere between the Matrix and maybe Lost Boys. Lost from like Boys. The 80s. Oh, isn't that yeah. a good one? Lost Boys. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good. Yeah. movie. I like that yeah. movie. 1988. See, I have a thing about movies, but <laughs> 1988. I remember that film. But, <laughs> but in this episode, like I said, we have so much, and I had so many. Yeah different things uh you know like spike i have what did i have twelve hundred dollars for him and for a stunt double twelve hundred dollars as well uh stunt willow now this is the episode willow wears that beautiful uh spangly kind of print top right and i just love it. it's floral it's so pretty i haven't found in my notes where i got it i don't know or did i make it i don't remember but <laughs> But it's so pretty on her, and I love—I just love the way it photographed on her. And I, I just always think Allison looks great, you know, in in her color, in the color palette that uh, we had for her for this season. I just like the way she, um, uh, you know, with the the earthy tones and you yeah. know, being the you know the mystic or whatever that she is, you know, and all that, you know, that it comes through. And the jewelry, that her necklace was so beautiful. 
that she wore with that that top in this episode, and I just loved it. But yeah, but but it was funny. Back to James, though, that was so funny. I convinced him about that shirt, you know that uh, that you know that, that that he should wear that. And then you know I slowly watched the episode, and then I saw him lift his arm in one scene and I went, ah, oh, yeah, there it is. It's, <laughs> it's like, and it's also, it's also, how would I put this? I think as costume designers, we often project a lot of ourselves onto uh, different characters, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that I would wear that way, okay. you know, and I probably put that, you know, projected that onto him in some way. Cause I thought, well, that's the way I would wear that shirt. I would wear it untucked. Even mm. back then I was doing untucked way before untucked was ever <laughs> a thing way before. And, 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 you know, just roll the sleeve or, or, you know, loose like that, you know, without, without a cuff link or something. I, I just like that look, you know, it's like uh chic, but casual. And, yeah. and that's, that's yeah. the way I saw his character sort of that way. So, yeah. um, but I can remember exactly where I was standing when I was talking to him about it. We were off, <laughs> off to the side by ourselves while everybody else was uh, clustered, you know, and I, and I, <laughs> I said, that's why you're wearing that. And he, and he liked the idea. He, uh, yeah. I think it fed his character and, you know, the, what, you know, it was, uh, how he had built his character as well. So I think yeah. it, it worked for that. And then with the potentials, I was looking at all their different clothing. Oh my goodness, there's so much. I, I know. All I could think of was, God, Matt had to do so many and different outfits. Look, for and they all look different, which is great, <laughs> yeah. you know. And one, and that one scene, I want to say uh, for uh, the character Kennedy, when, it, when you know, when she's like barking at them and right. being so mean, and then she comes over and she's talking to Buffy and and uh, DB Woodside, Principal Wood, uh, and she goes, "What was it?" She says. I love this job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought that I, that always st- stood out for me in the whole series. I just always thought, Oh, that is such a funny line. I love this job and the way she delivered it. But, but I remember looking at her, at her outfits, what she's wearing and you know, how, how I have her dressed and uh, she's wearing Dickies, which I, I thought, Oh, that is such a good choice for her character. You know, that yeah. she would wear Dickies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I have two questions oh, for sure, you. Oh, sure, sure. I hope I can answer them. So, Dawn wears that little blue embroidered. <laughs> okay. Yes. 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 Did you do that, or was like you found a shirt with a D on it? And I think now I have a note here. Let, let me. I'm going through my notes. Dawn shirt with the D. <laughs> Bloomingdale's. Oh. And I don't know if we put the D on it. Or it came with the D. I can't tell you. It is cute. It is cute. Isn't it adorable? The yeah. shirt, I can tell you, we had doubles of that shirt. And it came from Bloomingdale's. And they were, for two of them, it was under $136. So that's, hmm. you know, that's not. But I I know. I mean, it's unusual <laughs> that there be a D on it, right? Right, yeah. Right, right. That's why I had to ask you. I was like, I bet, I wonder if Matt put I this think, on. I think I must have done that. <laughs> I and then so. the other question I have is the okay. first Slayer. So she's only really in, we had seen her before so, in episodes, but she's only in that beginning. Did you have to create that outfit or do they have that? Which one is it? No, wait, the first Slayer. Who were we she, talking about? She's in the beginning in Buffy's dream. Chloe. Um, <clears throat> she has like the wraps. <clears throat> Chloe. That's her name. No, 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 no. no? That's the Slayer that uh, commits oh, suicide. That's this for, is the, the one, first. Okay. 
Wait. She's literally in Buffy's dream. She's like the first Slayer. First The, the woman slayer. with dreads. Like, she's got the white face makeup on. Is that in this episode? Yeah, it's just in the beginning. God, I just missed... How did I miss that? Wow. <laughs> God. Well, it was 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> so, I'm looking through... I must have created it, I guess. Because it is like the same kind of outfit she's worn. I mean, she, I think she's only been in like three episodes before in like flashbacks or dreams. And so it's like, she's like, I think she's, I, I, if I recall. Had, had she worn this outfit before? Yeah. She had. She always had the same outfit. Then maybe we have that then. Okay. Because I didn't know if that was like something you had to run or something like. Well, I, but I'm looking it says primitive stunt. Yes, that would be her. Yeah. Well, I must have built it because I have seven hundred dollars there for it. Oh shit! Really? So nice. I'm thinking I'm going to go back to the very beginning. I've got the script here. The she's like in at, when Buffy like it, she's the one Buffy like kind of fights in the beginning in her dream. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking to see if she, if it references her, but I don't see a reference to her. Assailant. Unseen assailant. Yes. Primitive plus Buffy. Ah, yeah. there it is. A double. Well, I must have made it. I must have made something. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love I love that there's so much stuff that like you did so much. There's like shit oh, like that. That you're like, like oh, how do you remember? remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you remember? Yes, because it says primitive plus us, primitive yeah. stunt. Yeah. So I must have made it, I guess. I don't hmm. I have to look at what's it look like? <laughs> it kind of looks like um basically like wraps it's like white and wrapped around her body how we made it i'm sure then i'm oh, sure really? i'm sure it didn't exist i mean from way back <laughs> when i doubt it was still there i probably i'm sure what i did was they probably gave me videotape mm. <clears throat> to look at <clears throat> to to match it and i probably and then matched just, it yeah and we matched it. that makes and, sense <clears throat> yeah because i have i have the budget here for it so that's what that is yeah and i don't have a rental on that so so that wouldn't have been a rental. God, I feel like that would have been such a pain in the ass to recreate. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have to look at that. Wow, because that <laughs> says primitive plus stunt. Yeah. 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 Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Vi's, uh, Vi, Felicia mm. Day. Yeah. That little outfit she wears with the shrug. I remember creating that. I remember, oh, I, really? thought, I remember like we had the sweater thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't want her to look just the same. You know, like, mm. you know, it was like, Emma or whatever, or, you know, mm. like a little cardigan or whatever. And I thought, oh, okay, let's turn it into. The-. And we just got out a pair of scissors and started cutting, and turned it into a shrug. We call nice. it nice. And <clears throat> the little rainbow colors and all that, I thought looked so cute on her. She looks. Yeah. She- and then of course we have the tribal men, in right? The, yes. In the in the cave, and I, we built a lot of that. That was oh. uh, built, and there were some rentals that we built on mm. as far as like a, maybe a headpiece or something but but i have the swatches of the fabric really <laughs> yeah connected to my my uh research that i did i still have all that that's funny and i have it's a, a blue a, like a batik and a gold batik and a red batik i think fabric mm. and then i found i think i found that on hollywood boulevard with a lot of the the uh the jewelry that they wear and uh but those those uh i think not too long after the series ended somebody told me they were on ebay or something somebody oh really i don't know if this 
excuse me, the studio sold them or what, but, hmm. but, you know, and then, you know, at the time I'm like, Oh, do these look good enough? You know, at the, <laughs> I'm just so, so critical of, but looking back at, it, I thought they looked great. I thought, Oh, they look pretty good, you know? So, but yeah, we made those. And then what else happens in that? Ep- well, that's the episode I've told the story about Sarah wearing the, the, the spike heels and, you know, she's in the cave and the, Oh yeah. You know, she fell through the cave, you know, floor <laughs> of the cave, you know, when she sunk into the, her heels sunk into the cave, but that's a story I've told before. So you guys know that story, but, uh, and then we get a glimpse of the vampire army at the end, don't we? Yeah. And yeah. that, I, I just looked at that and went, no, I know a lot of it's CGI, but a lot of it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what, and when we get to that later on, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about building all of those. But, <laughs> but obviously, I had to have something ready yeah. for this episode. So, you know, but we we um, built a, 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 we built an army, basically. <laughs> and I had an army of people putting them together, too. You know, and, and putting them together, uh, building them, and uh, dressing them, too. It was, we, we actually had a, uh, a chart of sorts about how to dress them and uh huh. you know because and i'd hand it out to the different uh um, right people helping people yeah helping to you know explain to them okay you know rather than standing there all the time and answering right. questions you know so but but yeah it's just amazing to me like you know looking at the episode like i said you know the purchases and rentals and i have notes in my script about uh, this stunt is a hand pull. I don't even know what that means now. <laughs> Neither do I. It's <laughs> a hand pull. I guess they're just like pulling her back. I don't know. With yeah. something. But yeah, like Sarah's stunts, double uh, $1,500. Uh, part of that, of course, is the jacket. And then, you know, I didn't double exactly her, her turtleneck because of, I'm sure it was a much more expensive one. And I got one that was you know more affordable. Did you have to build more than one of the skirt? Oh yeah, yeah, we did that. Oof. Yeah, and because yeah, Sarah only wore nothing ever crossed between the principal and the stock okay. people. Yeah. yeah, we never did that. And Oof. I was looking to see there was something else I was going to mention about. Well, just in general about Chloe's uh, the first we you know that I mistook uh, mm. earlier. Uh, about her, I have a lot of notes about her clothing, you know, oh, about, yeah. yeah, just about, uh, that she should wear, you know, certain slippers and, uh, socks with her slippers. I don't know what that was about, but it's in my notes and, uh, her outfit. I think that little shirt was Paul Frank, which was, uh, a clothing line, yeah. you know, or yeah. maybe still a clothing line. I'm not sure. But it was big back then, I remember. Yeah, big yeah. back then, Paul Frank, yeah. And I think her little slippers were only like $18. But a lot of the um, the sleepwear for the potentials, you know, it all, you know, it's just in groups. I have what we bought was uh, from Nordstrom and, you know, but, you know, even buying it, you still do a lot of styling and choosing and selecting. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if it isn't just easier to build it, you know, because you know, when you build it, you know, you, it's more contained as far as the shopping part of it and all that, you know, yeah, going, out, fair, yeah. going out and finding it and all that. And when you build it, if you have the budget to build 
you know, for episodes, then, then you can, uh, you know, get all your fabric, your workroom, everything together and do that. You know, and this was kind of a hybrid, what we did, you know, on this show, you know, we did yeah. a little bit of both, but, um, but thanks to, uh, my, uh, cutter fitter, Shirley, who, you know, helped build the, the African men and all of that. You know, but, but I, again, you know, I look at these huge episodes and my crew that just worked tirelessly because, you know, to catalog and keep track of your purchases, you have to, you know, describe everything in detail and you have to yeah. account for everything in detail. And I look back at the notes and, and my reference books and that's why I'm able to share with you all, you know, because they would, you know, catalog these things and, and make them i mean it's impressive matt <laughs> accessible to you <laughs> yeah well thank you and you know uh and thank you to my staff you know who helped me do all that but but it was it was a big undertaking and nice. you know i look at the breakdowns of the, the episodes that i would you know break down the scenes i have cross plots when things worked in certain days and certain you know yeah. who which characters were in that scene now i did all that myself I, I did that plus the designing part of it. He does it all. Well, that was something I carried over from, you know, doing when I was supervising. And I thought, well, this way I can keep track of it, you know, what yeah. we're doing. But I could tell you what day that, uh, you know, we were talking about the primitive and that dream sequence took place. It was on January 22nd. I have it in my notes here. What day that was going to work. <laughs> the day after my birthday. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this was, and this, is that your, your birthday? That's right. January the 21st. Wow, yeah. the 21st. Oh my gosh. You one week after my mother's. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this was the episode I think I mentioned earlier about, you know, we were shooting episode 15 doing second unit on episode 13 and 14 doing uh, shoots, shoots, uh, within a few days on episode 16, prepping it. I mean, it's just, it's insane. It is Oof. just insane. Well, Matt, thank you for joining us and thank you for uh, well, thank all this you info. so much. It's nice to talk with all of you and I hope I didn't <laughs> bore you. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, now that we're at the end, favorite outfit, Neil. I think what Buffy goes into the portal wearing, it's just like so like, it's almost too insane. Like it's like the skirt and the turtleneck and the denim jacket. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? Good on you, girl. Like you you look comfy when you're going to this damn portal. So like happy that you're happy. But like comfy, but also like, I think like kind of fashionable with that giant oh, fucking skirt. hundred percent fashionable. Like she looks great and it looks like something that she could still kick ass in, which we do see her right. kind of have her moment in that. So I'm like, that is a that is a good hero outfit. Yeah, uh, Ivy, what's your favorite outfit of the episode? Uh, Willow coming out with the weapons with her uh, <laughs> monochromatic psychotic top. It was like a it's bejeweled orange red and uh, matches her hair, and it's just giving me super late nineties, early two thousands vibes. Um, <laughs> and then the return of Spike's jacket, you know. <laughs> uh, Zach, what's your favorite outfit? A Buffy's portal outfit. I just don't yeah. think it gets much better than that. Well. <laughs> Shocking no one, all the gays agree, because yes, same. <laughs> that, that, this is actually my favorite, like, season seven outfit. I am, like, you know, uh, partial to her finale outfit, and I do like, she wears a lot of denim jackets. You know I love a denim jacket. 
Uh, but this is my favorite Buffy outfit this season. Like, I think it's fucking fantastic. Um, favorite scene, Zachary? Uh, the shadow casting scene. I think it's insanely creepy. Works really well. And, uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, Ivy? Um, I like the speech because it, it feels like, uh, it's like a really pivotal moment in the, in this episode and in the entire season. Neil? Oh, the shadow casting scene, 100%. When you said it was this episode, I got so excited because I just remember, <laughs> like, becoming, I was always obsessed with shadow puppets as a kid. And, like, seeing that on Buffy, I was like, this is catering specifically to me, it was a for gay you. teenager. It was yours. <laughs> that was all for you. Yeah, all for you, Neil. Um, And, yeah, again, same. That's also my favorite scene. Uh, what grade do we give the episode, Ivy? Uh, I, I would give it um, a B plus. It's pretty good. Pretty good episode. All right. Zachary? I'll say a B. It uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil, I'd say an A minus because I love whenever they explain the mythology of the Slayer and how she mm-hmm. came to be. So this is always uh, a a deep cut deep season seven episode where I'm like, oh, it's so good for the world building, even at the very end of the show's run. Yeah, I give I give it. Yeah, I give it an A. Um, cause again, I agree with you, Neil. I like it's world building, it's adding stuff, but it doesn't feel like too rushed as some other stuff does towards the end. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Thank you, Zachary, for co-hosting with me. If you like Slayerfest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at SlayerFestX98. You can support us on Patreon, which is much appreciated, uh, where you can listen to Zach and I. We do a monthly sex-positive talk show called uh, My Nudie Judy. You can watch all those videos, and you get access to all our bonus episodes, where we're currently, eh, not quite yet, but we're getting there at Harley Quinn Season 2. Um, and uh, if you want to follow me, I am at Ian X Carlos. Neil, where can everyone find you? At Neil underscore McNeil on Twitter, and just Neil McNeil on Instagram. And Ivy, where can everyone find you? It is it's Ivy Labelle um, on Instagram and Ivy Labelle XXX on Twitter. But beware, it is adult content on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining me, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>